the Buddhist Recovery Network podcast. My name is Thomas. Before we get to our teacher, I have a few of the usual announcements and an exciting announcement. Registration is officially open for the International Buddhist Recovery Summit. It's taking place September 5th through the 8th in Lacey, Washington. Go to BuddhistRecoverySummit.org to find out more. Many of the teachers who have been on this podcast will be there. Vimala Sara, Kevin Griffin, Vince Cullen, Gary Sanders. We have Sydney Rose coming in. So yeah, it's a great opportunity um, to you know, hear some panels, be a part of some small group discussions that you know, will help shape Buddhist recovery as a whole. So yeah, hopefully we see you there. Let me go ahead and introduce our teacher now. Mary Stankovich has practiced meditation, yoga, and cultivated a spiritual practice for over 30 years, and in 2009 was empowered to teach Buddha Dharma. Mary is based in the Los Angeles area and teaches classes, retreats, and does individual mentoring. She has taught at mindfulness, at recovery centers, has co-facilitated year-to-live groups since 2008, and has a weekly Dharma class for over a decade. She also was the director of Against the Stream for 10 years. Mary completed the Buddhist chaplaincy program at the Sati Center and served as volunteer chaplain at Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center. She served as executive director of the Mind Body Awareness Project from 2016 to 2018. Mary sits on the board of Buddhist Insight Network and Clue LA. Along with teaching, she continues to investigate what it means to live with an undefended heart. Fun fact, Mary has a master's degree from UCLA and worked as an archaeologist in the Middle East. More info can be found on her website, marystankovich.org. That's M-A-R-Y-S-T-A-N-C-A-V-A-G-E.org. Okay, without further ado, here's Mary. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Thomas, uh, for the introduction. I appreciate that. And welcome, everyone. Um, good afternoon. Uh, as Thomas said, we'll have a, a few minutes of meditation, uh, and then we'll have some Dharma and some conversation. So uh, I want to invite you to find a way to sit for uh, this few minutes that will be comfortable. You can allow your eyes to close if you like. Just bring yourself into an awareness of sitting, feeling yourself supported, whether you're on a chair or a couch, a cushion, wherever you are, feel yourself supported and connected with that foundation. Bring your awareness to your breath as well. Not in any way to control it, but an awareness of the body just breathing on its own. The body breathes and we can just rest in that breath for a few moments. 
with this breath and body awareness. If that's uh, the breath is challenging or not available for you to connect with um, easily, you're welcome to stay connected to sound or physical touch, perhaps an awareness of your hand touching your leg. And just rest in the present. Staying in the present can be very challenging and the mind takes us to the future or the past or somewhere we can't even discern. And so the invitation is always to come back to the present, but I invite you to pay attention to where the mind takes you, whether you're caught in planning or replaying memories or whatever's whatever's true for you. Just acknowledge that recognizing that it can't be different from the way it is. And just returning to the present, greeting your experience with friendliness, with kindness. Really noticing the activity of the mind, whether it's restless or calm. It's not supposed to be one way or the other. You're just aware of what it is, greeting your experience with friendliness and staying present as much as you can.
And for the last moment of our practice this morning and this afternoon, perhaps you can bring to mind one thing that you're grateful for, a person, a place, something mundane to be grateful for. It doesn't have to be grandiose. And see if you can just rest with that gratitude for a moment. So you can allow your eyes to open if you haven't already. And welcome again to uh, Buddhist Recovery Network Academy. I'm uh, Again, I'm excited to be here, happy to be here. Um, been involved or had been involved with the Buddhist Recovery Network way back in the early stages of it. And I'm really happy to see that it's still going strong and that you're all participating. And um, I wanted to talk this, I keep saying this morning, it's, I know it's this afternoon, but if I keep, if I say this morning, it's because it's stuck in my brain. But this afternoon, I wanted to talk about letting go of our stories, because I think it's such a, an important topic. It's really uh, wise to look at that. And that's kind of why I offered the instruction during our practice to pay attention to where the mind is going. If, if indeed it was going anywhere, if you were experiencing some calm, that's, that's, that's so great. And a lot of times it's a challenge. And especially when we first come into uh, our sitting it's um, the mind is going hither, thither, and yon. It's going over here. It's going over there. And there's a soundtrack that often is running. And there's a soundtrack that's often running even when we're not sitting. But when we're sitting, it seems to be uh, right in our face because there are no distractions. It's easier to see. We have the voice that's telling us we should or shouldn't. We have that committee that's telling us we should or we shouldn't. And um, it tends to run our life. And if we're not paying attention to it, it can be really um, uh, damaging in some ways and could cause harm or it could just be a, a low-grade discomfort. This running commentary about not good enough, um, can't do something, the story about how it's never going to work out or this or that or the other, just, or it can be one word. I was talking to some folks a couple of weeks ago and they, when they were talking about having a difficult time finding the story, I said, sometimes it's just one word, loser, fatty, something that we carry with us, um, 
or even if it's not explicit, sometimes it's just an amorphous anxiety that kind of is just always hovering around, keeping us tracked. So this is, these are the stories and this is actually our conditioning. And the Buddha talked about this so much. This is, you know, this is, if we let go of our conditioning, we will be liberated. We're, we're clinging to this. We're clinging to this story, not because we want to, but because it's a habitual pattern of thinking. And this conditioning, if you're a human being, you have conditioning. As soon as we're born, it starts, our life starts coming at us, at us and we start coping with it. Um, our families, our communities, our cultures, there's um, uh, uh, some systemic um, problem there. Um, systemic um, oppression. Uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of different uh, uh, messages we receive um, from society at large and from our personal experience. And from a very early age, we begin to develop coping mechanisms. We begin to develop ways to um, keep ourselves safe, to keep ourselves from hurting. And a lot of them are not necessarily um, the best. Uh, when I was eight, I, I had a very difficult, I lived in a very, uh, my, my just, I lived alone with my mom who was mentally ill and it was not fun. And as an eight year old, I began to eat. That's what I started doing. I started using food as a way to comfort myself. It wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't sit down as an eight year old and go, I think this will help. But it, it was just a self-soothing mechanism. And when I got older, I moved into drugs and alcohol as a way to deal with the discomfort that I was feeling. Again, not conscious. It was just, ooh, this makes me feel different. This keeps those experiences from showing up or, or staying. This is a good way to drown out whatever I'm feeling and I don't want to feel. So we get caught up in that. And and the stories are, you have to do this, or you're not good enough, or it's not safe, or you need to, whatever it is. You all, if you stop for a moment and think about it, I bet you can come up with a story or two that has been a soundtrack of your life. That's been your constant companion for a while, um, and, uh, and, and that inadequ inadequacy that you carry with you. Um, and we get these messages. They're not just uh, sent given to us when we were kids. They are, we're still getting them. I watched, I watched the fire festival, the Netflix fire festival documentary, a couple of, uh, maybe a month or so ago. And the one thing that came out from it for me that stood out, not the, the, not the insanity of the story, but the fact of the, the, talking about influencers when they were first publicizing the fire festival for those who don't know it was a high-end party um, festival that was going to be held in the bahamas a couple of years ago and it was just a disaster from start to finish and um when they were first publicizing the festival they got a hundred social media influencers to tweet and Instagram and Facebook about it so that people would just be, oh my God, this is the thing I have to do. So that's what jumped out at me. It's like, we are, influencers have existed 
but now it's much more sophisticated and we're being bombarded by these messages that we have to go to this place or get this car or have this relationship or have this job. We have to, you know, bribe colleges to get our kids into school because they have to go to these prestigious universities and we're trapped inside these stories. And we develop these worldviews and we have worldviews about others and we don't question them. Or many times we don't question them. We just find ourselves falling flat so much of the time or getting what we want and being dissatisfied, still suffering from that. And um, with, with addiction, it can be very damaging. It can cause a tremendous amount of harm, our way of dealing with these stories. Some of us get into workahol or shopaholic or sex or drugs and rock and roll, all those things to take care of this, to, to, to manage these stories, to manage these habitual patterns. And the Buddha says, stop, stop, stop. And we stop by sitting on the cushion. We stop by being willing to stay present. We stop by turning towards our experience. I, um, I was in a, uh, uh, spent an evening with Lama Rod Owens, uh, in February, he, he gave a talk and he was talking about this conditioning. And he said, this conditioning is not our fault. It's not our fault. And I think that's a really important thing to understand, but it is our responsibility to do something about it. That's how we are move down the path to freedom, freedom from addiction, freedom from all this, this suffering, freedom from this harm. And so we practice gives us the opportunity to really look at our stories and take a step back from them and then, and say, Oh, maybe this is just a soundtrack that I don't have to buy into that. I don't have to believe that I can let go of. And our sitting practice allows us to stay with the emotions, the, the, the things underneath that are driving the stories that perhaps we've never, ever looked at. You know, we let go of the story of needing to be a perfectionist. Oh, that's that, that perfectionist stuff going on in my head. But when we're quiet and we sit on the cushion, what arises sometimes is that sense of inadequacy or that feeling unsupported or unloved or whatever is true for us. This practice invites us to be with that, to be with the discomfort, to be with the, the, um, the scary stuff. And what's also important is it's not a macho practice. It's not a thing that we tough through. Along with the cultivation of wisdom, of clear seeing, we also cultivate compassion and kindness towards our experience in order to hold the pain. Because if it wasn't painful, we wouldn't be running away from it in some way, shape or form. We're running away from the pain, whatever it is. There's no hierarchy of pain. So what's, what's true for one person is not true for another, but we all have this pain that we need to hold and we do it with kindness and compassion. You know, harshness is a hallmark of how we treat ourselves. And so we let go of that harshness. You know, there's guilt and there's shame and there's all these things we have to deal with. And the wings of the dual wings of awakening of wisdom and compassion are how we move towards that. We move towards this of seeing, oh, this is a story. This is deep conditioning. That's not my fault. How can I hold it? How can I make space for it? How can I give it room? Because when we make space for it and give it room, that's when we have the freedom. 
That's when we're able to not have to react to our situation. We can choose to respond in a wise, beneficial way, a healthy way, a way that doesn't cause harm to ourselves or to others. So um, there's a quote I want to read that I love. It's from a woman named Emily, Emily McDowell. And I'll close with this. Finding yourself is not really how it works. You aren't a $10 bill in last winter's coat pocket. You are also not lost. Your true self is right there, buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions, inaccurate conclusions you drew as a kid that became your beliefs about who you are. Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself, a remembering who you were before the world got its hands on you. Who you were before the world got its hands on you. So that is just a teeny foray into how you, um, how you would uh, uh, begin to let go of the stories and cultivate a kind compassionate response to who you are and letting go of clinging, letting go of addiction, letting go of all those things. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening. This talk was recorded last Sunday as a part of our live BRN Academy program. Hope you can turn in for our next Academy Talk by Ralph Steele on May 5th. Check out BuddhistRecovery.org forward slash Academy for more info. May we all find what brings us peace and share that peace with our communities. Bye.